Welcome to the first episode of the Podcast Experiment. I'm your host, Daryl, and today my special guest is Dominic. We'll be discussing the latest news in MMA, BJJ, and boxing. Hope you enjoy the show. All right, uh, Bellator 214 was uh, Ryan Bader versus Fedor Emelianenko. What would you think about that fight? Yeah, he was. Uh, he uh, he did good against Chael Sonnen. Did you watch that fight? Yeah, absolutely. I thought he looked great against Chael. I think that's a good matchup for him. I was surprised with Bader being able to, you know, handle the, the grappling so easily. But I figured that the striking would be too much. And the weight class. You know, Chael fights at 185 at his best. He also, let's, let's, let's not forget, let's be honest, Chael was on TRT and popped for for uh, PEDs several times, and I think him as a 40-something-year-old man without that uh, was a terrible matchup for Fedor, but I did think he looked good. I thought Fedor did look good in that fight. How, how old is, Fe- is Fedor? Is he 40 yet? I be- yeah, I believe he's, he's not that old, which is crazy, so it kind of makes it makes you question how great he really was in his prime because he's only, for heavyweight, I believe he's 39 to 41 range. I was looking at... Uh... At the payouts, Bellator was paying the fighters for the Grand Prix, the heavyweight Grand Prix, uh-huh. and um, right. Fedor was making three hundred thousand a fight, and I think everybody else wow. was making one fifty. Yeah, that's that's not to shift topics, but that's the one thing. The people that bad mouth the UFC's payout, when you look at it, because you know there's there can't be any pay per view points, obviously, in Bellator. So whatever salary, whatever show and win bonus they're getting, that's pretty much all they're getting outside of sponsorship. And uh, 300000 for a legend like Fedor is really not that much. I wouldn't be surprised if he made more in pride or even when he bought an affliction or strike force. Hey, you know what I didn't know that I also read was uh, I didn't know that uh, Dana White had taken half of uh, McGregor's uh, uh, pay from the Mayweather fight. Yeah, I saw, you know what, Malinaji is like the most bitter ex-girlfriend ever right now. So I don't know, we got to take, take it with a grain of salt whenever he talks about Conor McGregor. I think he's full-on stalker mode right now. I know, I, I think I, he, know that going in, I think he's kind of crazy, man. Yeah, he's, he's really let that leak sparring footage, which let's be honest, I mean, I'm, even the most diehard Conor McGregor fan, you're delusional if you think that he can win a boxing fight against a high-level boxer. Right. Malinaji came in out of shape, and his timing was off. Plus, he's small for the weight that they were sparring at, and Connor was in tip-top shape. And, and again, we never saw the full twelve rounds of sparring, so who knows, you know, how how well it really uh, went for McGregor. But the point is that Malignaggi has still not gotten over that leaked footage, all twenty-seven seconds of it, of Connor rocking him, and you know that questionable dropping and. And but yeah, I, I remember going into the fight seeing that UFC was going to take half. But that Connor and everybody and Dana's good at this, trying to let the public believe that fighters are getting more than they really get. That Connor was going to make like a hundred after what the UFC hundred million being. And uh, Nolanaji's saying he only made forty million after the UFC took their cut. So that's that's a lot less impressive than I originally thought. Yeah, let's move on. What about uh, 
What do you think about John Jones? He tested positive before that fight with uh, Gustafson. Man, I, I'm looking into this whole Terenabal metabolite thing. I'm trying to understand it because, you know, we're not scientists, and we can only go off of, you know, what the what the, the experts are telling us. But it does seem like when I listen to Nowitzki on a Joe Rogan show, it, it sounds super questionable because now it's like, okay, so basically they're okay with them having these metabolites, but... How do we know that, it, you know, they're saying it's not reinduction, that it's uh, a reintroduction, that it's, you know, uh, lingering metabolites, but it just seems like that's giving him an excuse to microdose. But I think he, you know, he dominated Gustafson, he looked great, but, and that's an unfair advantage if, if he really is able to get away with it. I saw, uh, I saw an interview that MMA News did with um, the head of the California State Athletic Commission. And he That's said, monster, right? yeah, he said that um, the scientists who who um, who tested Jones the first time that he got popped in California and then they punished him for that was the same scientist that said these are metabolites from his old dosing. Right. So I think I just, that's why I, they I, went with that. I saw, exactly. I saw that, too. And it, like, it makes you want to believe. I want to believe that John Jones is that good naturally. He's the greatest ever, no question. Anybody who tries to throw GSP or... I mean, he's never lost a fight. He has one disqualification from that... Uh, oh, when he fought Matt Hamill, and he was dominating. So it's like... It's, it, 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 I don't know what to believe. You know what I mean? It's one of those things that, you know, the scientists are a lot smarter than we are, but there's also an agenda, and, you know, it's, it, it, it's tough either way. But Plus the UFC, you know... Happen. I think they lost, um, you know, McGregor's still a moneymaker, but when he lost to Khabib and then Cyborg lost, I thought they needed maybe, you know, uh, a superstar to step up, and, and that was Jones. I think you're absolutely right. He sells, I mean, his pay-per-views average anywhere from 700000 I think his top, I don't think he's broken a billion, but right now, I mean, you got, I think they had a card that did like 80,000 buys when the flyweights or when the female uh, weight fight happened for the title with Pennington. And Nunez, it was like 80,000 or something crazy, if I'm not wrong. So they're, you're absolutely right. They're really in search of stars. And I think this is a business. And if they know that one of their, you know, their third in line or their second in line, as far as pay-per-view revenue, is uh, potentially, who would stop, you know, what's to say they wouldn't just sweep that under the rug? I mean, they moved an entire fight card 300 miles to, you know, to accommodate him. So. Yeah, I know that's that was crazy. You know they're doing that at the last minute. Hey, but uh, speaking of uh, Chris Cyborg, uh, I guess she was uh, spotted outside the WWE Performance Center in Florida. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, did you hear about that? I guess she she took a picture or somebody took a picture and posted it on Instagram. Wow. See, I always wondered. That's the same thing that Brock would do. That he would right when his contract would be coming up with the WWE, he would start having rumors fly that he was going to fight the UFC. I think that might be, and this is a little bit of a guess, but I think there could be some truth to, truth to this, that Cyborg is, it's her last fight, I believe, coming up, and now that she lost, her stock went down dramatically, and she was already feeling that she wasn't getting the love uh, promotionally and financially from the UFC. I think that might be something, where I don't think she wants to go, I think she loves fighting, I heard she wants to get into boxing, and I think that might be more of a publicity thing to say, hey, I am a valuable commodity, and you know, I can go do the WWE thing too. So yeah, she was she was making a half a million dollars a fight. 
Wow. Yeah, I, I think that was more than Nunez was, is getting. Yeah, I saw that she got the flat half million. I think Jones and Gustafson got that too. With obviously some pay per view uh, perks too, they get those points. But uh, yeah, see, to go again, not to just switch topics, but you know, Fader is getting three hundred, and he's the biggest star in Bellator and one of the biggest stars period ever. And a female champion like Cyborg, who doesn't have the following of Fader, let's be honest, not even close, is getting more. So that just shows again that people that complain about the payouts of the UFC. They're still paying the best. It's right. still the best place to go financially. What about, uh, do you think uh, Jones and Cormier are going to fight again? I think Cormier. I love Cormier. I love his personality. I think he beats everybody in the world in any weight class with the exception of a guy named John Jones. And I think Jones wants that fight because he knows he can beat Cormier. He's done it twice, once in dramatic, you know, spectacular fashion. I don't think Cormier wants that fight. I think if he does, it would be at heavyweight, and I think Jones is very smart, and he knows he would be at a disadvantage at heavyweight. So if they do fight, I'd be surprised if it's not at light heavyweight again. The second time they fought Cormier, man, he he was doing pretty good up until the time he got knocked out. Man, I was sitting on my bed getting ready for work, Daryl, and I was cheering. He was up, I think, two of those three rounds, and I was like, oh, he's looking, but the thing is, he does have that tendency to drop that right hand. He's open for the left hook. He's open for the head kick. And Jones is, I think Jones' fight IQ is so underrated. He is so good. I mean, look who he's beaten. He, he submitted black belt. He's knocked out kickboxers. And he out-wrestled Daniel Cormier. You know, so right. like, yeah, but I, I agree with you. I think Daniel Cormier was winning that fight up until that point. I wonder, if, um, are they still going to set up uh, Cormier and Brock Lesnar? Uh, that's the rumor. The thing is, have you seen Brock Lesnar without the special sauce? Have you seen pictures of him recently? Oh, yeah, he, he's he's kind of flabby, you know, like his muscles are starting to hang. He's starting to show his age. He's his face and his body. He has a dad bod. He went from, this, remember his famous comment, I'm a jacked white boy, deal with it. Right. And then he tests positive for elevated levels of testosterone. <laughs> Come on, like, did anybody not? If you don't think that Brock Lesnar is on steroids, and you don't think that The Rock, for example, is now on steroids, you are delusional. I, I, just, I, I, you, I would love to see that fight. The, the Rock's coming out with, uh, I guess, with a new uh, movie. You know, I guess it's a, a prequel to Fast and the Furious. And, yeah, uh, it's called Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, I saw a picture of him, man, and man, he looks even more jacked. Yeah, he looks, he, he, I think he's 50 or pushing 50. He's, he's pushing. And again, as, as much, yeah, exactly. As much as I like, you know, to say, hey, well, he obviously is on, you know, some uh, special, you know, uh, supplements that are usually coming from Mexico or China or Russia. You know, he's definitely not getting that at GNC. But at the same time, he works, that guy works his ass off. He, his Instagram is every day he works out at 5 a.m. and then goes and shoots a movie for eight hours. Right. So, yeah, he's you know, in good shape. Not, he is, he's but I don't think you can look like that at when you're pushing 50. No, look at the thing. It's very simple. You take a before and after from The Rock when he was in his 20s yeah. where his testosterone should be super high yep. when he's in his late 40s. And yeah, it, maybe he worked <laughs> out well. Maybe he learned how to diet, but he looks like an action figure. I Man. mean, but that is a lot of work. Yeah. Hey, what about uh, what do you think about Ben Askren coming to uh, UFC? I think Ben Askren is 
I don't know. It, it's a big question mark. You know, he's his grappling is levels above. He's like a, a Habib at one seventy. But if did you watch that Luis Santos fight? I think it was an, it was an uh, one championship where he fought that guy Luis. Who yeah, Luis Santos was also on some supplements. The good, the dude from Brazil. Yeah, the guy from Brazil who had like a. I don't want to misstate it, but he had a he had a, not a great record. You know, he had a winning record, but nothing like incredible. And he was ragdolling. Ben Askren couldn't get the takedown. He got the double underhooks. He got the clinch and was still getting thrown. I believe Santos hit some judo throws on him. And, and Askren looked terrible in that fight. Who knows if he didn't train or it was just bad stylistically. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how Askren does. I think he's, you know how old he is? He's, he's mid to late 30s, correct? Yeah. Yeah, he's getting yeah, up so there. Man, he's definitely not. A, you look at his physique, he's, he's definitely not a guy who looks like he's on anything. So that makes me question where he's going to be at as far as his uh, his prime now coming into the UFC. And Robbie Lawler is no cakewalk for anybody, in, you know, in that division whatsoever. So yeah, I, I don't I don't know if he ever like faced that. anybody like Robbie Lawler before. No, that, Robbie Lawler started as a wrestler, and he's been around for a long time. The only thing, Robbie Lawler, I think his chin is going a little bit too. But Ben Askren is not the guy who's going to test his chin. Yeah, he's not. He's so, not the best striker. He's kind of like. Uh, did you see uh, AJ Agazam's uh, fight in Bellator? Uh, no, no. You know AJ uh, Agazam had a fight. I missed that. No, I missed yeah. that entirely. Agazam, I guess that's his name. Uh, you know yeah, he's yeah, uh, Gracie he's Gracie Baja. Yeah, Gracie Baja black belt. He, I guess he wrestled at uh, Ohio State. And yeah, he's uh, a D one guy for sure. Yeah, he's uh he's one of the top dudes in uh in jujitsu probably, and uh, he had his MMA debut in uh, Bellator. Um, I forgot who he who he fought. Uh, a guy named Jesse Roberts, MMA fighter, yeah. not a wrestler, but uh, AJ lost by split decision. And oh, wow. but if you go on YouTube and you and you watch the fight, I mean, he was doing some crazy stuff, man. Like I don't know if he was like trying to be Conor McGregor in the ring. But you know he was oh, like great. sticking his chin out, you know, uh, egging the dude, the the guy on to you know to hit him. Um, he he took the guy down a couple times and and had his back, but like he wasn't throwing no punches. He was like trying to submit the guy. Yeah. Like it looked like a jujitsu match when they were exactly, on the ground. Yeah. But uh, the guy I mean, had good defense. You know, it is two different sports. It's it's two different sports, and everybody learns the hard way that you know just because you're phenomenal at one thing, MMA. You have to be at least adequate, you know, and proficient at everything. And I didn't, I didn't see the fight, so I can't comment on Agazam strike. How was the striking? Was it was it really bad, or was it yeah. mediocre? Or it didn't look good. It didn't yeah, look good at all. Good. You're being nice. You're being nice. Okay, yeah. I, I gotta watch the fight before I can really comment. But I mean, he I mean, he should have he should have spent more time with uh with a striking coach. Probably yeah. and maybe not relied on his uh, his wrestling so much because, I mean, he did take the guy down, but the guy fought off a lot of his takedowns. Yeah, well, I think too, like you see with Dylan, if if they give these guys like Dylan Dennis and other Dylan Dennis and Agassiz are about the same level. They're they're high level grapplers, but they're not really elite. Like Agassiz, don't get me wrong, I think he got he got second or third at Abu Dhabi last year. Uh, so that's actually, you know, that, that is pretty high level. But he also loses. Remember, Agazam lost to Jake Shields in a grappling-only match. Right. Don't get me wrong, Jake Shields is a stud. But, but to go back to Dennis, who's another guy that's just obviously ripping off the Conor McGregor shtick, uh, 
they're giving him good matchups in Bellator. You know, that first fight he had, the guy was the guy's grappling was terrible, and Dennis was able to just use his jiu-jitsu and wrestling to win the fight because right. his striking looked terrible. And yeah. I think you're right. One of the guys who is making the transition, who did put the time in, and he's got a phenomenal coaching staff with John Denner, is Gary Tony. Have you seen Gary's MMA fight? Yeah, I've seen a few. Yeah, he looks pretty good. And he, his striking is, it's, it, it's not world-class by any stretch of the imagination, but it's good enough to where, I mean, he was dropping guys. Now, again, he's getting Indonesian and Singapore guys who are, uh, you know, 500 fighters or whatever, but still his striking is, is at least adequate, you know, to, to complement his grappling. Right. Hey, um, Khabib and McGregor, I guess, they reached an agreement with uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission. They haven't yeah, released them. Um, I don't know if they released the, you know, what their agreement was supposed to be, but I read that they reached one. Yeah, it's nine months. Khabib got nine months for the for the melee, which, let's be honest, that was actually great for the UFC. Dana White acted like it was a catastrophe. That yeah. couldn't have been better promotion. Yep. Just like that bus attack couldn't have been better promotion. Yep. But, uh, you know, it puts a black eye on the sport. But, hey, we're talking about two guys fighting in a cage. Let's relax a little bit. You know, like, want them to be just, they're not scholars, they're not intellect, they are cage fighters. So the fact that he throws a dolly at a bus, or that the guy jumps the cage because he's been, he's been having a deal with Conor McGregor insulting his religion and his way of life and his fighting abilities for three months of promotion, that happens. But yeah, the agreement, uh, not to sidetrack Daryl, was they, they gave Khabib nine months, they gave his training partners, I believe, also nine months, and Conor got six. So if you do the math, it's retroactive. So I believe Connor's eligible to fight on April 6th. Is, is he supposed that, to fight Cerrone? Yeah, I was about to say that. That's awesome you mentioned that. I think they are going to make the Cowboy fight. And what do you think about that fight stylistically? What do you think happens in that fight? I think uh, I think Connor's going to knock him out. You're he's so funny. You know, as much as everybody wants to hate on Connor, he's just like anybody else. Habib he, he, he beats everybody. So everybody that was like, oh, he smashed Connor, he exposed Connor. Who hasn't, outside of a juiced-up place and T-Bow, who hasn't Habib done that to? Right. The only difference is it, it does seem like Connor does quit a little bit easier than most guys. Like Ally Quinta, that guy wouldn't quit if you hit him with a, a baseball bat over the head. But what happened to Ally Quinta? He lost five rounds, one of them 10-8. And, you know, Connor actually won a round. But let's be honest, Connor's the only guy that's won a round on the judges' scorecard, the third round against Habib. They all gave me ass me unanimously to McGregor. But I think you're right. I think Cowboy is a phenomenal fighter. He's got underrated wrestling and grappling. One of the guys that we train with went to his ranch and told me how good uh, Donald's uh, jiu-jitsu and wrestling actually is after rolling with them. But he had pro head movement. And who right. are the guys that have beat? Who are the guys that have beat Donald Cerrone convincingly? You got Nate Diaz, southpaw boxer mostly. You have Jorge Masvidal. You have Robbie Lawler. All these guys are boxers. And, and for whatever reason, Cowboy just doesn't move his head off the center line. And that's not good with a guy like Conor McGregor. Yeah, that spells trouble. Yeah, I think Conor's going to gonna pick him apart and end up knocking him so out. Too, because yeah. he, he uh, Cerrone, he's getting up there in age, too. And he yeah, got he got knocked wars, out recently, didn't he? Yeah, he got... Masvidal stopped him. Uh, Darren Till knocked him out, I mean, devastatingly. You know, so his, his, his chin's... His chin's not exactly, you know, at its best either. But then again, let's, let's play devil's advocate. I really believe that if he goes in there 
and drops his ego and says, hey, I'm going to take Conor McGregor down. I am not going to stand with this guy. This guy is dangerous. I don't care how much people say, oh, he's all talk. He knocked out Jose Aldo in 13 seconds. Yep. The guy can fight. He picked apart Eddie Alvarez, who is not an easy fight for anybody. That's so right. If, if Donald goes out there and wrestles and gets on top, I think Conor McGregor is in a world of trouble. So if that happens, it's yet to be seen, but that would be a great fight. That would be a phenomenal pay-per-view. And man, would that be exciting! I, ju- I just think when when the fight gets to about the third round, Con- Connor starts to he starts to tire out. Yeah, I was going to ask you since we're we're talking about him, why do you? Because did you watch his Max Holloway fight, which was his second UFC fight where he tore his ACL? Did you watch that whole fight? Yeah. So I've watched that fight about, and I'm not exaggerating because I went on Sherdog and comment on forums, which I never do, just because it irritated me so much at the time. Connor was at 45. He had the rough weight cut, like always, and he ran through Max Holloway. Not to say Max Holloway was nowhere near the level he is now, but Connor had cardio for days, and he took him down. He struck with them the entire time. He he chased them around the cage, and he never even he, he didn't take a heavy breath. But for whatever reason, what after that fight at seventy with Diaz, where he gassed the first and second fight, he's now having cardio issues. Yeah, it is. It, it's baffling to me. I don't understand. Is he, do you think he has better cardio at 45 than 55? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just think maybe, you know, he, he's got all that money now, and he's he's doing other things. You know, he, he's got the yeah. that alcohol business. He's got some other businesses going, and I think that's probably taken away from his, his training time. Yeah, I think so, too. And his face, that you mentioned the alcohol, it does look like he's partying. I mean, there's been videos of him drinking a lot and supposedly doing some other things at clubs and everything and his face when I see pictures of him now he looks five years older than he did 18 months ago yeah you know so I think you're right about it. I think you hit the, the nail on the head there that but you know I think after losing if, if anything's going to motivate you it's going to be losing in front of 2.4 million pay-per-view buys against the guy that you said you're going to knock out in one round right so, I think we'll see. I think too like um you know he had all these ambitions you know, uh, and and he fulfilled them. You know, now the guy's yeah. worth over a hundred million dollars. So exactly. I think and maybe you know, his priorities think, in life changed. You know, exactly. Everybody says that the worst thing for a fighter is to become successful and financially stable. And he's never going to have to work if he didn't. As long as he's smart with his money, he, his grandchildren are set for life. Do you think? Not to talk about him too much, maybe to switch topics after this. But do you think that? Uh, him staying with that SBG training cap, even though he did split from John Kavanaugh, if you saw that, he's no longer training with them. No, I didn't know that. Work. Yeah, he had Kavanaugh after the Habib fight said, I do not want to train Connor for a fight that doesn't mean something. And it seemed real vague, like, oh, I just, I, I want more motivator or whatever. But then Connor came back and said, I shouldn't have listened to people the way I did, obviously talking about his coaching staff. Because I didn't do what I know I'm capable of against Habib. I think he meant, he thought, because I guess the game plan, according to Connor, Kavanaugh's game plan was to just hold Habib. When he gets the takedown, just hold him and either hope for a stand-up or hope for the round to end, basically. No submission attempts, no sweep attempts, no scrambling. Just to kind of bite down on his mouthpiece and wait the round out. And Connor said that he thought that was a terrible game plan in retrospect. And you know what I heard, too? I heard Kenny Florian say that I guess something happened in the locker room where Connor was, like, freaking out about when he was getting his hands wrapped. Like, I've tried to get information on this, see what it was, 
supposedly he had that really bad thumb injury and all these things. And, but I'm curious to see if now that he's training, he posts all of his training videos are at a different SPG. He's no longer at Kavanaugh's place. Uh, he's training at his wrestling coach's SPG affiliate. I'm wondering if, if, if it did hinder him training because, I mean, look at the top guys in the world. They all come from good camps. All right. Let's be honest. SPG is not a world-class camp. When you spar with Artem Lobov, I love watching the guy fight, but when you spar with our Artem Lobov, you know, for 10 years and he's your main guy for a B, that's, I don't think that's the way you're going to improve, you know, where you're at. Yeah, and then he was, uh, you know, training jiu-jitsu with um, Dylan Dennis a lot prior to the fight with uh, Khabib, and he should have been training with a wrestler. You know, I, I said it's so funny we have the same ideas. On Dennis, Dennis is trying to say thing. that you know he has great takedowns, and I was like, you're a jujitsu guy. You know, yeah. you're not a Dylan you're not a wrestler. No, Dennis's strength, like a lot of these new age jujitsu guys, is his leg attacks, and and Dennis is like we said, Agazam, a guy that you know, Dennis is. I don't think he's ever won. He's won pan, milky pan, and he's won you know some other you know decent sized tournaments, but he's never won Abu Dhabi. And every time he goes against a high-class guy, he loses. So, right. And then, like, to, to, to go back to the wrestling, he's not a wrestler. And Habib, yeah, he submits people, but he's like Ben Askren. He's pressure wrestling. And very, I know, he's not a you know, guy that shoots blast doubles. And Connor did not have anybody like that in the camp. And you know you what know, um, so. What I also learned is, uh, I guess the town where Habib is from, you know, is about, uh, their population is about 2,000. And oh, wow. I guess eight people from his town have medaled in the Olympics in wrestling. Oh, wow. Out of 2,000. Yeah, those, those Dagestanis are no joke when it comes to the grappling, that's for sure. And I actually heard uh, Chel, uh, on Chel Sonnen's podcast, he, he, he mentioned that, and he was like, I'm from Oregon, and that's a, that's a wrestling state, and we have nobody in Oregon that's ever won a, a medal in the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, look, look at Russia and Dagestan. I mean, the greatest wrestler of all time, in my opinion, Kremlin, is from Russia. And look how well they do. Just the Dagestanis are such a small place, but that is their culture. You know, wrestling right. is their... I mean, he was wrestling... You know, everybody's seen. He was wrestling Bear Cubs when he was six years old. Like, you're not going to catch up to that level of grappling. Right. You know, and you're not going to get it from Dylan Dennis. So, it'll be interesting to see if they ever do rematch. I think it's too much money not to, but... but uh, you know, let, let, let's see what happens. There's some, you know, exciting matchups. I'm glad they didn't get too long of suspensions. And, you know, yeah, fun no. to watch. Hey, well, uh, let's move on to boxing. Uh, wh- who would you rather see? Deontay Wilder versus uh, Joshua or Fury versus Wilder too? I, before I answer that, I am finally, as a boxing fan, I've been a boxing fan since I was a kid, excited about the heavyweight division. We finally have some fighters and matchups that can excite not just me, but anybody who loves boxing should be excited about the future of the heavyweight division. But to answer your question, uh, I think it's a weird three-way situation. I want to see a rematch. I definitely thought Fury won the fight. I think he won eight rounds to, to four or nine to three. Even with the two ten eights, he still should have won uh, by points. You know, the judge that, I mean, let's not even talk about boxing judging, but, but uh, I would love to see the rematch first. And I think either of those guys can beat Joshua, even though it's hard to pick Wilder being so wild, but it's hard to pick against him because he has that one-shot you know, power right, right at. It's kind of like Jerry Cooney. Remember him? Yeah, he's, 
Yeah, he's, he's, there's a lot of old school guys that were kind of like Wilder, where it's just the sport evolved so much that everybody, you know, relies behind the jab and the heavyweights fight a lot more, you know, like the smaller guys now. But a guy like Wilder, you know, he, I mean, he, he was undefeated for a reason. Yeah, he fought some cats, but he beat Ortiz. Ortiz is not a cat, you know, right. so, uh, you know, it's, it, it's interesting to me. I really like the Fury story. I think that's an awesome story coming back from suicide thoughts and depression and drug abuse and alcoholism. I think that's awesome. And uh, I just want to see the fight. I hate that about boxing. That's one thing I love about MMA. You get the matchups that you want most of the time. In right. boxing, you have to wait till guys are past. We had to wait, what, five years to get Manny, out, uh, Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd? Right. So well, I just hope it happens in the near future. And it's not another. Or Golovkin Canelo. Again, why, you know, they, Golden Boy was smart, and they waited till you know Golovkin was probably past his prime. Right. So, hey, what about uh, did you see the um, that um, that exhibition match between Floyd and that dude from Japan? Yeah, I did. With, uh, what's his name? Tension. Uh, yeah, I did see the fight. Before I, I butcher his name. I don't want to do that. Uh, I, I saw the buildup. I saw you know the actual fight. At first, I thought it was a work. I thought it being in Japan and Floyd literally knocking him dead, I thought that it was a work. And then after watching it, it was just, even Floyd out of shape and eating McDonald's every day like he does in his training camps when he's not serious, he's just so much better than a 20-year-old kickboxer who's not even the top guy in the world for his weight class. I know, but a lot, you know, a lot of people were trying to say that it was fixed. And I was watching it. I didn't think it was fixed. I just think that, you know, the dude can, can't take a punch. Yeah. Not I, from I, a world-class boxer. No. And what weight does Tension fight at usually? 125 or 127? Floyd fought, you know, in the lighter weight classes early in his career, but he fought 47 and 54 were his, his last couple years of fighting. So he was probably, I don't did they do a weigh-in even? Did they even weigh those guys? I don't think so. I think it was just an exhibition. I know they paid Floyd a lot of money. I don't know how much, but yeah. I know it was a lot. Yeah, I've seen different accounts from Floyd versus people from Japan, what they said. And, and either here nor there for what it was, I mean, he had at least, I'd say, 20-pound weight advantage, and he had a 20,000% skill advantage. Yeah. It was pretty frustrating to see because, don't get me wrong, I love Floyd's boxing ability. I can't stand him as a person, but hey, you know what, he's smart. He's a smart businessman, and he makes us watch him. Exactly. He is a phenomenal fighter. And you know, everybody that everybody that walks around hating uh, Floyd Mayweather, you know, they still watch him fight. They still exactly. pay for the pay-per-views. Exactly. Whether you pay to watch him win or pay. It's, it's funny how Connor can get away with being this egomaniac in front of the, the camera, which most people say is just an act, that he's actually a humble, nice guy. And Floyd does the same thing. Because remember, when Floyd was pretty boy Floyd, nobody cared. When he became Mighty Mayweather... All of a sudden, everybody cared. Yeah. You know, so you can't fault him for doing, you know, for promoting himself. Just like these, not to sidetrack, but just real quick, with these jiu-jitsu guys that are coming out being real arrogant and cocky and making brash clips, that's a financial, that's a, a financial statement and a financial character and persona that they're putting out there because that's what people want to see. They want to see yep. that guy win because he thinks he's so great. Or they want to see him get smashed. Yeah, and I think that's, that's why they, they pay the, for the pay-per-views is because they want to watch Floyd lose. They're hoping he loses. Exactly, yeah. But, you know, I think... I think when Floyd does 2 million pay-per-views, 1.8 yeah. million of those people want to see him lose. But, you know, 
you know, as much as people hate Floyd, you know, and people, you know, tell me, I hate that guy, this and that. But I say, you know, what you can't knock Floyd over is that the dude is smart. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he's, uh, God, he's he's got to be close to a billion dollars, maybe. Yeah, he's made, I think, I think he's broke a billion in career earnings. Now, how much of that money does he have left is a different, is a different, you know, topic. But I heard Brendan Schaub say that when he worked the Showtime production, because, you know, they hired him, and uh, whether you like or hate Brendan Schaub, he was saying that Floyd is so organized and that when they did that promotion, it wasn't Showtime running the show. It was Floyd Mayweather. He went up, he, he talked about where he wanted the cameras, how much time he wanted right. to talk. You know, he is like, he's a master businessman. And yep. he is, he's not there by accident. He is not worth a billion, or let's say he's worth 500 million, whatever it is, by accident. That is yeah. all by design intelligence and hard work and you know and you know what he does is you know like um whether it's t-mobile arena or the mgm grand you know he rents that space out for that night you know mgm doesn't get no profit from the sale of the concession from the tickets he just rents the entire place out and the profit is all his you're absolutely right a lot of people don't realize that it's not just floyd getting paid as the boxer he gets a separate hundred million dollar check or two hundred million dollar check as the promoter. Right. And that is just, that is ingenious because let's be honest, boxing, you know, look at Don King and look at all these other promoters. You'd have guys that are out there putting their lives on the line and then they're making a tenth of what they should be making yep. while these fat old white guys who've never fought a day in their life are billionaires or yep. multi-millionaires off of their sweat and, you know, sweat and blood. So yeah, we, we thought... I, I have always... We thought Mike Tyson getting a thirty million dollar payout was, you know, a lot for him. But then here you have uh, Don King, you know, taking home half a billion dollars from his yeah, fight. Yeah, you see, Floyd Floyd exposed the promoters for what they were, and that was greedy businessmen who were extorting not just the fighters but the public. Because the public thought, you think, think about it right now. I just had a, a conversation with a training partner recently where they're like, "Oh, boxers get paid so well, MMA fighters like a boxer." So I go, "No, they don't." The top boxers in the world are making millions. Everybody else, look at the boxing payouts on an average fight card. Those guys, a lot of those guys are making 20, 30. There was a welterweight title fight recently where the guys made $50,000 to fight for one of the five, you know, we have like five or six belts right. in boxing. And it was one of the major belts, WBO, WBC, whatever it was. And it was like fifty or 60000 that he made to be the champion. You know, so... Floyd is, and, you know, forget about the, the promotional and the business side of it, his boxing ability is incredible. Yep. You have to, if you appreciate boxing, you have to appreciate Floyd Mayweather's boxing ability. And, and even now, you know, the guy's, what, he's 40, 41? You know, I think yeah. if he got back into boxing, I think he would still be the champion. He's still, he, he's so hard to hit. He's, yeah, he's not a knockout puncher. You know, he knocked out yeah. 125 Japanese, you know, pounder <laughs> because, you know, that's what it was. But, yeah, I still think if, I think, I'm really, I was going to ask you this, if you think they're going to do Pacquiao-Floyd 2 now, and I still think Floyd beats them. I, I mean, yeah. you know, Pacquiao's also in his 40s, and Pacquiao's past his prime. But I think Floyd still can beat him. I don't think Floyd should fight the bigger guys. I think, like, a Golovkin or Canelo rematch wouldn't go well for Floyd. But I think at 47 and below, Floyd still dominates. Right. Which is crazy. Yeah. You never have guys that light. Bernard Hopkins was a middleweight and then a light heavyweight. That's why he was able to fight into his late 40s. Nobody, 
I, I mean, uh, unless I'm wrong on this, who has ever fought in the 40s or 30s, as far as weight class, 130s, 140s, into their 40s? Right. Nobody can do that. So. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I think Floyd, I think he'd still be on top if he was still boxing today, but he's probably smart yeah, to get absolutely. out. You know. Why take the loss? Why? That's his biggest thing. I mean, he walks around with, when he was 47-0, there was the 47-0 line of clothing. Now that he retired 50-0, you know, you know, why take the chance of, of being 50-1? and one? Right. You know, why take that chance? Even if he knows, that's, that's him. That's another impressive thing. The man swallows his ego. Most, what's the biggest issue that fighters have? They don't know when to quit. Yep. Look at Chuck Liddell, for example. I don't know how badly he was hurting financially. He didn't make that much from that fight. When the figures got released, he didn't make that much. So more than likely, it was just him wanting to fight and not knowing when to hang it yeah, up. Yeah, that, that, that fight with Tito, man. That fight with Tito, man, they they really showed their age. Yeah, that, that was rough to watch. You know, I was, again, talking to somebody the other day, and it was so bad. It might have even been, been you, I'm not sure, but it was so bad when they showed the training videos of Chuck before the fight that Jason Perillo, you know, uh, Tito's boxing coach, and I think his lead striking coach, he said, no, we don't believe those videos. We think that is him basically sandbagging to look that bad to make us think that he's gotten that terrible and he slipped that much. But no, that was the current Chuck Liddell, and that was that was rough to watch. Yeah, man, he, he looked like an old man out there. Yeah. I mean, Tito about, didn't look much Chuck better, but he at least Tito looked a little better. But Tito, yeah, he, he was did. looking old too. Who does Tito knock out? Tito dropped Ryan Bader when Ryan Bader got caught slipping. Outside of that, who has Tito ever knocked out? And not TKO'd, but viciously knocked out. You know, that's, I mean, that, that was crazy. Well, I know early, early in his career, he, you know, when, um, when they were doing the ground and pound, when that was real popular, I mean, he did TKO a few people just from the ground yeah, and absolutely. pound. absolutely. But never standing, never a standing KO. You know, that that might, we have to look into his fight record, but I'm pretty sure that's his, his for, at least against a high-level guy or a former high-level guy, that he actually got a standing knockout. You know, like yeah. I said, I remember him dropping Ryan Bader and winning that fight. I think he got a, a guillotine or something backwards. I'm not sure, but I know he dropped Bader. I just saw the replay. But because uh, he actually called out Bader, Tito said, oh, I'll fight Ryan Bader after I warm up with Chael Sonnen. I think he tweeted that recently. But, nah, um, I don't want to see Tito but, fight again. No, I want him, and he's another one. He made lots. I mean, they released his payouts. He made like fifteen million in his UFC career. He made his punishment clothing line. He should be set for life. I don't see uh, any reason why he should continue to fight outside of just that desire to compete. But what about what? What did you think about Oscar De La Hoya's uh, MMA? Uh, promoting ability, if you even want to call it that. Did you see that shit show? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's for him. You no, know, I think he tried, and you know, leave, just leave it to the UFC. Yeah, he went up there because you know he's got that feud with Dana White. He went up there in that press conference before the fight and said, "Welcome to the TOT versus Chuck Lytle." He mispronounced his main event fighter's <laughs> last name, and then he said, and he looked like he was on, uh, you know, he was on some. Uh, stimulant let's say during this he looked terrible he couldn't you know stop sniffling and talking and and he said i don't know the names of these other guys that are fighting but they're great fighters he right. said that in the press conference so yeah please oscar de la Hoya, stay out of mma promoting 
Hey, what about, uh, did you hear about Gordon Ryan is uh, going to fight uh, Fabricio Verdum in the EBI combat yeah. jiu-jitsu? Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, that's man. Awesome. I, think, I think it's straight jiu-jitsu. Gordon would smoke him because Verdum is going to be behind with all these new techniques and just the level. You know, and we're talking about a 23-year-old stud versus Fabricio Verdum, who's, I think he's 42, 40, 42. Yeah, he's and he pushing hasn't it. competed in jiu-jitsu in how long? But the strikes, let's be honest, you know, that saying, you punch a black belt in the face, he becomes a brown, and again, right. he's a purple, etc. That the striking on the ground might change things, but I still see it, as much as it looks like this great matchup, I see it being an easy win for Gordon Ryan. I don't I, know. I don't Fabricio might knock him out with one of those slaps. Yeah, but look, we just saw his first EBI. This was funny, because I watched it live. I, I wasn't at the Noki World. But... Uh, the IBJJF Noki Worlds, which is the cream of the crop for Noki grappling outside of the Abu Dhabi Submission Wrestling Championships, Gordon got to the finals of the Absolute against Cyborg, another legend of grappling, and there was a lot of animosity going into the match, and Cyborg literally slapped him in the head about 15 times before he got disqualified for it. I know, that was and crazy. Gordon reacted, that was ridiculous, yeah. And Gordon reacted surprisingly well. Like, he, it didn't bother him, you know, so... But also, is, is Cyborg a striker? No. Is Verdum a guy that can strike? Yes. So let's see. That That is going to change the dynamic. I think you're right about that. Yeah, man. I, I don't see. I don't know why the referees in that match made that slapping go on for so long. You know, it should have been yeah, one I, time and, and, and maybe yeah. you missed it or something. But the second time, they should have DQ'd him there. I think, you know, Cyborg was doing yeah. that on purpose. Yeah, he was. Because remember, do you remember the, the, the little animosity leading into the match? Do you remember why Cyborg had an issue with Gordon Ryan? No, I don't. I don't. Okay, so Gordon was posting a bunch of stuff about, you know, his typical, you know, Conor McGregor jiu-jitsu version of just how he's the best and all this stuff. And, and so Cyborg posted a thing saying, you know, jiu-jitsu is about respect and, and you have to respect, you know, the elderly community of jiu-jitsu, the higher belts and blah, blah. And Gordon put a post that said, listen, Jiu-Jitsu start with the Brazilians coming into the United States, and even in Brazil. They were fighting on beaches. They were storming other martial arts schools and other Jiu-Jitsu schools, the Gracies particularly is what he said, to prove that their style was the best and to show how dominant they were. And they weren't nice. They were holding on to submissions. They were bullying people, let's be honest. And that's what Gordon said. So he put this post, and Cyborg took exception to it. And, you know, encountered that. And, you know, leading into the match, I think he really wanted to show, you know, that Gordon Ryan deserves, you know, to be humble. The problem is, is that even without the leg attacks and the reaping and the heel hooks being allowed, because remember, if you watch the match, Cyborg got tapped by Gordon in Abu Dhabi in the yeah. absolute, about 90, 90 seconds, I think it was. So without even without that, after seeing Gordon run through the entire tournament, leading into that absolute final, I think he knew he was outmatched, and that was going to be his way of, of humbling Gordon Ryan by slapping him. And let's be honest, when you said, why did he get away with it so long? Because he is a Brazilian legend, and they get, they do get a little bit of favor and bias. But yeah, I, I know, and right. he, was, he's, he's probably in his mid to late 30s also. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. He's at least 35, I would say. Yeah, so, I, You know what I didn't but, know I, that I saw on YouTube yesterday was... Uh, Gordon Ryan had uh, beat uh, Josh Barnett, actually submitted him. 
Yeah, I watched that. That was called Quintet. That was and crazy. It was awesome because, yeah, it was actually Nicky Ryan uh, went against a Japanese legend who had like 400 grappling wins in black belt and had a 40 and 6 or something MMA record. And everybody, Misha Kate was commentating, and bless her heart, Misha's you know, a legend in female MMA and she's a black belt in jiu jitsu. But she was pretty lost for the commentating purposes. Like, she didn't know who, who was who, she didn't know their style. She was just, you know, she was behind on the times for, for the new age high level jiu jitsu. Right. And Nikki goes, Nikki goes out there and takes this guy's back and submits him in, you know, uh, I, I think it was maybe three minutes. And then Gordon, who everybody that knew who Gordon was, Team Alpha Male recruited him because one of their guys got injured. So Uriah Faber called Gordon Ryan and said, hey, do you want to be part of Team Alpha Male for this team competition? And everybody who knew jiu-jitsu going into that, and it was great because it was on UFC Fight Pass, so I got a lot of recognition, a lot of viewers. Everybody was saying, this is the ringer of the tournament. And there was high-level guys in there. Don't there was world champions, high-level MMA fighters. And Gordon Ryan went out there, submitted Josh Barnett. I mean, he swept him in 20 seconds. And yeah, then I saw that. Got that triangle. Yeah, it was beautiful. And then submitted the next guy he went against. Got a draw in the third match because it was only he's only lost four minutes because of the, the uh, weight difference. And then ran through the next team in the finals himself to and submitted Craig Jones, who, if, if you're not familiar with Craig Jones, he is a high, high-level yeah. grappler out of yeah, Australia. Yeah, I like, I like Craig and, Jones. Um, so do I. He's, I. I love all that, that those new-age guys that are really revolutionizing jiu-jitsu with not just the leg locks. Everybody wants to say it's just leg locks, but their guard passing and their back-taking is it's just next level. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, have you heard anything about... Um, about that incident with um, Half Gracie and uh, Flavio Almeida. Yeah, I I saw it right when it happened. I saw you know the comments afterwards about uh, you know that I guess it was you know I, I forgot what happened an argument after a match. I don't even, I don't know if they were were they competing or coaching. No, I think Flavio was coaching, and I guess Half went down there just to just to talk to him, and they got into some oh, wow. argument, and then I think the argument was over. Flavio had opened up a gym, I guess, somewhere near Half Gracie's gym in San Francisco, and Half didn't like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, Half is an old school. If you've ever seen any old school videos of Half and Henzo, they got some great stuff on YouTube. Those guys are about as hardcore as it gets. Yeah. And uh, to, to comment on the confrontation, you know, I guess he slapped him, and uh, Flavio went to the hospital and all this stuff, which is a little embarrassing, let's be honest. You're supposed to be a high-level martial artist. And Flavio is. Flavio is a phenomenal grappler. Well, I don't think Flavio thought that uh, Half was going to, you know, give him a forearm to the mouth. Yeah, yeah. He was definitely, he said that was a thing, like it was a sucker punch. But I I think Flavio said something offensive that uh, Half took offense to. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. And Flavio, you know, made that mistake of not thinking that it was going to escalate to that level and was caught off off guard and, and, uh, you know, I mean, there's different accounts of it, but took some damage. And Henzo, I guess it's funny because remember, Henzo is affiliated with Ricardo Almeida, which is Flavio's brother, right? Right. That's right. So Henzo said, so Henzo gets caught in the middle, and I'm thinking he's going to be diplomatic. And I guess because he's really close to hell, and he said something along the lines of, uh, you know, he shouldn't have been, I don't know, like basically he condoned the whole thing and said, hey. Right. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't write a check that your that your ass can't cash type of thing. Well, isn't but, uh, aren't, aren't they brothers, Half and Henzo? 
I think they're brothers. There's Half, Hanzo, and uh, and Hyen. They're all brothers. Yeah, I was about to say, I, the videos I'm talking on YouTube, it's always Hyen, Hanzo, and Half, and I, I didn't even think about that. I know they're obviously family, but yeah, I think they are brothers, so that makes even more sense why he would back him. But, you know, Hanzo, Hanzo's a guy that, you know, he's been in many street fights, and he's, he has no issue, you know, talking about right. those things or, you know, to, to a certain degree glorifying them. But, I mean, I love Hanzo. I love Hanzo, what he's about his career in grappling, his career in fighting, and, and uh, yeah, it was a crazy incident. I remember watching, it literally happened as I was watching another match on full grappling, so. Yeah, I guess in Brazil, I guess, um, I guess their, their mother and father had split, got a divorce, and, you know, the mom remarried and went her way, and the father remarried and went his way, and left the three boys, you know, this big house, wherever, whatever city they were living in in Brazil, and they ended up turning it into a fight house. Where like all these different rooms had mats, and they would invite people over that wanted to fight. Oh wow! Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I saw that, there's a video on YouTube. It's pretty is crazy. It, is it the same from where like uh, yeah, I seen it where high end. There's I seen one where high end is in shorts with no shirt on. Yeah, fighting somebody in the grass. Is that the house? Uh, probably, but a lot of times they fought inside the house. They had set up uh, mats all over the house. The house had no furniture oh, wow. in it. It was just mats so, so they could train that's and fight. Awesome. That is awesome. I know. That's crazy. But, um, hey, have you been listening to um, to um, Joe Rogan's podcast? Yeah, I, I, I catch it usually on at least a weekly basis. That, uh, I just listened to the one yesterday with Mike Tyson. Oh yeah, he was on there last week, I believe. What was? How was it? Yeah, it was pretty crazy, man. I think Mike Mike was uh, legit crazy. He did some crazy yeah. things, but yeah, he talked about uh, doing uh, like the first time he did um, LSD. He was eleven. Oh my, that I had no idea. About. Yeah, he wow. said he was he was drinking alcohol, you know, at ten years old, uh, marijuana, cocaine. Yeah. Wow. You know, Mike. Mike's got to be the most brutally honest person in this world. Yeah, that is that is definitely true to, to say those things. He's always kind of been, though. If you think about it, it's just that people, you know, again, he fights in a ring with hand wraps and gloves, trying to knock unconscious another man. And then when he goes a little crazy in the ring, or when he acts a little crazy in public, they uh, they condone him and are surprised. You know, right. we want to see him knock people out and be this fearsome baddest man on the planet but then we want him to act civil when he steps outside of that that squared circle it's like you know i've always liked the guy i've always been a big mike tyson fan yeah i guess uh, uh he's I running a dispensary him. now in uh california yeah yeah he's into the marijuana business which is great i know he did well that show you know that show that he had here in vegas oh it was yeah doing well people liked it again i think he was just brutally honest and people are drawn to that and uh i'm just glad that he's not broke you know, that he's doing something, that he's doing, yeah, I know. doing okay. I know he's a big UFC fan. I know he goes to a lot of the fights. Him and Dana White are pretty good friends, so that's awesome. Yeah, I like Mike. But, um, hey, have you heard of, uh, you've heard of that CBD oil, right? Yeah, I, I guess. I actually, my mom gives it to her German Shepherd, and she swears by it, because he's got some uh, hip and uh, elbow, I guess they'd be called. Problems. What, are you supposed to rub it on, or are you supposed to eat it? 
you rub it on us. My understanding, I'm very ignorant to it, but I want to try it because I have such bad joints. Right. And supposedly, yeah, you rub it on, and it doesn't have any of the uh, like hallucinogenic or psychedelic properties, if that's the correct terminology. Is it just it hemp just oil? Wonders. Is that all it is? Hemp I oil? I so. I believe so. I, I, I mean, I know CBD. I'm assuming it stands for cannabis something, but uh, uh, yeah, that it's a hemp product and that it, it's just people swear by it. You know that it's that it is it has phenomenal recovery and healing abilities. Because I saw um, I saw an advertisement for uh, Black Belt CBD oil, and uh, it had oh, several really? several black belts on it, and I know Robert Drysdale was on it. Oh wow! Yeah. What about uh, Joe Rogan? You know, he's real big into um, into marijuana. You know, I think he's obviously a guy. I think everything in moderation is okay. To, you know, not everything, but most things are okay. I know, but you he's know, he, guy, he's like really into fitness. But, you know, don't you think like the, the smoking aspect of it is bad for you? Absolutely. Yeah, he's a, I mean, listen to him every time he does a cardio workout or, or does... And he, if you watch Jitsu or pad videos of him striking, he uh, he gets he's always exhausted. So I don't know if he's got bad cardio by nature, but it definitely doesn't seem to help his uh, his lung capacity. But you know what? To talk about it, it's nicotine versus uh, uh, marijuana. Joe Schilling is one of the he's one of the, the top kickboxers in the world, and uh, he ends up. It turns out he's a pack a day or something crazy like that smoker. Right. And he has phenomenal cardio. So how that works, I don't know. I would assume that it definitely, you know, well, I, that's something that's going to help your performance. I hear uh, marijuana has more tar in one joint than a pack of cigarettes. I've, I've heard that before, too. I don't know. I'm very, I'm ignorant to it. But, uh, uh, it's. I mean, look at the Diaz brothers. Again, just to use examples instead of, you know, going off of, you know, rhetoric and, and theory, the Diaz brothers, daily marijuana smokers, consumers, however they ingest it, and they have some of the best cardio I've ever seen. So, what else I saw on social media was, uh, you know, uh, Mario Lopez. Remember, he played Slater on uh, Saved by the Bell. Yeah, yeah. Him and remember, I don't know what the dude's name, but the guy that played Zach, I guess they're both blue belts. Yeah, Mark Paul Gosler. Yeah, I, I did see that. I guess they train regularly together. Lopez actually did have a little bit of a wrestling background, I believe. I don't know at what level, but he wrestled in high school. Yeah, and, and he you know, can box, actually, too. Yeah, I was about to say, he's he was on a show, and they were asking about his boxing ability, and he said he had, at the time, like eight smokers, and that he'd won every one of them. And these were actual, legit smokers against other amateur boxers, so yeah, and they he, say his boxing ability is actually fairly good. Yeah, he had a celebrity match with, um, with Oscar De La Hoya. And, um, oh, did he? Yeah, he did. It's on YouTube. And at first, you know, uh, they weren't hitting each other that hard. But as as the rounds kind of went on, it, uh, Mario Lopez striking got a little harder. But man, it looked like he could box. Yeah, I've seen a video of him hitting pads and shadow boxing, and he looked legit. And if he's got a wrestling, you know, a wrestling base, you know how that is. Right. Even if they wrestled one year in high school, they get into jiu-jitsu. Yeah. You know, they're they're basically almost blue belts by the time they start rolling, even as the white belt. So. That was cool to see. Every time I see a celebrity that trains jiu-jitsu, I'm all Jonah Hill. He's yeah. training, too. He's a white so, belt. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see, uh, yeah, what is his name? Seth Rogen? Is that it? Uh, no. Um, I don't know about Seth Rogen, but I know Jonah Hill does. I know he yeah, started Hill, training. I, I confused the two. 
Yeah, Jonah Hill, I saw that he's like a one or two stripe white belt. He lost a bunch of weight. And so what what know, about uh what about Keanu Reeves? Do you think he really takes uh, jujitsu, or he just took it for for John Wick? He took it. For, he took a lot of judo for John Wick. But I saw videos of him with uh, those guys. Always end up going to Machado. They always end up going. I know he's like the he's like the jujitsu uh, instructor to the stars. You know, he gives gives them like a one on one. They don't roll that hard, so they don't you know get bumps and bruises and scratches. But. Yeah, he got well, he's got that he's got that flow jujitsu I think it's called and he actually got a lot of flack from the community because it's jujitsu and it's all these celebrities doing it and they don't roll. Right. So they drill techniques, they learn new stuff, they warm up, but they don't ever roll, which is like you, I'm sure you feel the same way. If you're not rolling, yeah. you're not doing jujitsu. Yeah, gonna, I think they do like that so you know, they don't want to get I guess scratch their face or you know, some type of deformity if they get a black eye or a cauliflower ear or something. Something yeah, that's going to ruin their career. Right. That, that's what I saw, what, what uh, Machado was saying, was that, you know, oh, well, you know, I can't take the chance of these guys getting, or they can't take the chance of getting a black eye or broken nose or cauliflower ear because their faces are, are vital to their careers. Right. But at the same time, it just, you know, it's just like those internet blue belt programs and, and promotion that, that uh, they have in California, you know, that, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, my goodness, he's... He's a jiu-jitsu coach for the guy just fought Holloway. Uh, Ortega's jiu-jitsu coach. They have that internet. What is his name? I know you know his name, Daryl. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I forget. Hey, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Next episode, I should have my Instagram page up for the podcast experiment and an email address so that you can get a hold of us. Once again, thanks. Look out for episode two.